Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody, doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. We're in a brand new series called Wish You Were Here. And I want to get started by fittingly telling a story about my dad. One of my favorite stories of my father. Uh, When I was young, I was really afraid of roller coasters, specifically ones that went upside down. I don't know if you're with me, but for some reason, uh, the thought of being turned upside down as a kid terrified me. And so I was always the kid who, when we would go to Six Flags, and I'm from Atlanta, so Six Flags over Georgia for all my Atlanta fans out there. When we went to Six Flags, uh, I would have to sit at that little baby gate while all of my friends went on the roller coasters because I was too scared to. For some reason, I just couldn't do it. And so I was the oldest of all my friends to finally be able to go on a roller coaster and One day we're at Six Flags and my dad is with me and he's determined to get me on one of these coasters. So he's been talking to me all day about how I have to and it's not scary and I'm just not having it. And finally we get up to the mind bender. And if you know the mind bender, it's it's one of the Batman type rides. And we get over to the mind bender and it does go upside down just so you know. But my dad said, hey, let's try this one. It's, It's a little bit more, but it doesn't go upside down. And so I thought, okay, because I trust my dad, who wouldn't? And I, and I get in line, and as we're standing in line, I look and I see a loop. Very clearly, I see a loop. This coaster goes upside down, and I begin to freak out. I talk to my dad. I'm like, Dad, this isn't happening. This does go upside down. Why are you doing this? And he said, no, 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 son, that's a different coaster. So don't worry about it. That's a different track. I know they're the same color. That's a different coaster. So my dad lies to me, all right? Listen, I'm just getting all this out. This is confession time for us. And uh, so I get up to the coaster. We get on the roller coaster. We go up the hill. We take the turn, and I see exactly what's about to happen, that this, in fact, is a loop. And I let out the biggest scream I have ever let out in my life. Who knows what I said to my dad, even as an elementary schooler. And we begin to fly down the hill and into a loop, and for the first time, I went upside down on a roller coaster. Now, I'll say it worked. And yes, my dad lied to me, but I'm so glad that he did. Because now I'm not afraid of going upside down on roller coasters. In fact, I love them. And really what he wanted for his son was to overcome fear. He had this desire that I would be able to go out with my friends and ride roller coasters and not have this thing holding me back. He had this wish for me to become the best that I can be. And it's one of the things for my dad that's made him just the most incredible dad out there because he always desired that I would be at my best. And I don't know where you're at, but I want you to know that God has desires for you and me. Our heavenly father, he has wishes, he has desires that we would grow, that we would be at our best. He has a plan and a purpose for you and for me. And I want you to know if you're watching, it's not coincidence that you've logged on, but God has something he wants to speak into your life. God has something that he wants to show you about the plans and the purposes that he has for you. But here's the honest truth. 
especially, listen, Christ followers out there, we can be honest about this. Trying to figure out God's plan for our life is honestly one of the most stressful things we do, right? Trying to figure out God's plan and God's will and every decision we come up against, which way he would have us go, is one of the most difficult things to figure out. In fact, this is what fills most of our prayers. Whenever we reach a situation where we have to make a decision and decide on a job or a career path or a relationship, we just want to know, God, what would you have me do? Where should I go in this season? And I would be willing to bet, regardless of where you're at, regardless of your life season, regardless of your age, in some form or fashion, you've asked this question, what does God wish me to do? What does God wish me to do? As I stand and look at these different career paths, which one would God have me take? As I'm trying to decide uh, the move for my family, which one would God have me step into? And don't you wish that we could just ask him? I mean, don't you just wish that you could just go, hey God, what should I do in this situation? And he would just spell it out in the sky. Like, wouldn't that be so easy? And yet I think one of the most difficult pieces of the Christian life is trying to figure out as we walk through this, where does God have us? What does he wish us to do? I know there are several groups watching and maybe you're in this season right now in a big way. I know the class of 2020 just graduated from high school and I just wanna say congrats class of 2020 before I go any farther because you have not only survived but thrived one of the weirdest graduation seasons you could have possibly imagined and yet you have done it with so much excellence and so much flexibility and you are not forgotten about. And so we just wanna say how proud we are of you. But if you've graduated, you're standing in one of those seasons where you're looking out and I remember the anxiety as I was getting toward the end of high school to go, where does God have me next? What college, what city, what major, what's my next step? And then I don't wanna take the wrong next step because then if I do the wrong thing, is it gonna alter my life path? And so I remember that season of so much anxiety and so much stress. And I want you to know that you're not alone in that. And it would be so easy, right? If we could just say, God, which one would you have me do? Now, millennials, you get put down all the time because of uh, other generations saying that millennials are lazy or they can't decide where to go. And I was actually at a conference recently and they confirmed, a a Fuller Youth Institute study confirmed that millennials right now in this generation, unlike any generation before, has the hardest time committing to a life path. Has the hardest time committing to a life path. And, And they showed that statistically that that was happening. But don't miss this. Other generations were saying, well, that's because they're lazy. Right? That's because they don't want to commit. That's just because they're not sure. And that's not what this study found at all. In fact, it found that the reason we're having trouble committing to a life path is because there's more options than ever before. I have a graph that kind of shows that they used to show the traditional ways that you would sort of travel down a life path. Do we have that for the screens? So you kind of go from high school to college, you get a job and you get married and you'd have kids. And this traditionally was sort of how previous generations have done it. And they said, this is a more accurate, as as they did studies, this is a more accurate life map of what's happening right now with the millennial generation. Do you have this next one? As you can see, so many different options, gap year, travel, living together, living at home, marriage, roommates, internship, back at home. This is the path now for the millennial generation that there are so many options in front of us that it sort of locks us down to try and figure out Which one's right? Which one is the one that God would have for me? 
And so listen, I just want you to know if you are struggling in that right now, that you are not alone. And that it is a stressful thing to figure out what would God have me do? Maybe you're watching right now and you're at a career decision and you're trying to figure out, do I leave this job? Do I stay at this job? Do I start a new career path? I mean, what does God wish me to do? And, and you wish you could just ask him that. Maybe it's in a relationship and you're trying to figure out, should I date this person? Or maybe you're trying to think, should I marry this person? Maybe you're watching, you're trying to figure out, should we have kids or should we have another kid or should we never have kids again? And you're trying to figure out what would God have me do? I just want you to know if you're watching, you're not alone. And this is one of the most difficult pieces of the Christian life is trying to figure out where is God's will? Where is God's plan? As we look at all of the steps we can take in our life. And so that's why I'm really excited about this series. Because I really believe if you will lean in with us over the next five weeks, we're going to talk through this idea. And I think that for some of us, this will be the most freeing series we have ever been a part of. Because for some of us who are so locked up and locked down by the decisions that are facing us and in this fear of taking the wrong step in where God has us, I think that for some, this will free you up to walk into God's will with peace and with joy, maybe like never before. And so I'm really excited for this series, but here's the thing I want to talk through this morning is that if we're asking this question, what does God wish me to do? I actually want to propose that we're asking the wrong question. That just in changing this question, we can begin to change our mindset and how we approach God's will. And so I want you to change this question. In fact, if you're taking notes, this would be a great thing to title it, this new question, because it's really what this whole morning is going to be around. Instead of asking the question, what does God wish for me to do? We should be asking, who does God wish for me to become? Who does God wish me to become? See, God cares deeply about your decisions. He cares where you go. He cares what you do. But more than that, he cares about who you are becoming. He cares about the person that these decisions are creating in you. And his desire is for you to grow. And he cares about how those decisions help that. So too often we want to look at the action, but we actually need to be looking at what this decision is creating inside of us. One of the guys in scripture who wrote about this a ton, his name was Paul. And you've probably heard about Paul, especially if you grew up in church, because Paul wrote most of your New Testament, sort of the right half of your Bible. And he wrote them as letters to the different churches that he was planting and leading, because he was this great hero of the faith. And we always look at Paul for all that he's done and all that he's accomplished. And honestly, we wouldn't be here without him as the church. But Paul didn't start off that way. If you know anything about the story of Paul, he actually began under a different name, Saul, and he was so upset that this guy, Jesus, had been claiming to be God. And this was so controversial, and it was so upsetting to, to Paul, who believed in God and thought Jesus can't be God. And so he was so upset at this movement happening of people following after Jesus that once Jesus died, Paul thought, okay, it's over. The movement's done. Jesus is dead. There's no more Christians. They don't believe in him anymore. But then this weird thing started happening where hundreds of eyewitnesses began to run back into the streets and say, never mind. He is who he said he was. In fact, we've seen him risen. We walked next to him. We saw him speaking. And so now we believe that he is who he said he is. He is, in fact, God come to earth. And he is the way. And Paul was furious. 
He didn't understand how this was happening, that hundreds of people were claiming this to be true and, and they were more brave than ever, but he made it his mission to put an end to what was happening. He made it his life goal to destroy and to kill anyone who would claim the name of Jesus. And so he begins living out his life in pursuit of that. And then something crazy happens in history because he almost ended the church. And yet the same guy who almost ended it begins claiming that he also saw Jesus raised from the dead. That he also spoke with Jesus, that he now believed that he was God. And then this same guy murdering Christians now began to plant churches and claim to be a Christ follower himself. And so I, I don't know who this is for or if this encourages you, but for me, I look at a guy like Paul and it encourages me so much because I like to look at my past and my mistakes and my flaws and think that maybe because of something I've done that God has stepped away from me or that because of something in me that's messed up that God can't use me. And yet I look, like, I look at a guy like Paul and say, hey, on my worst day, I'm not as bad off as Paul was. And so it brings me some encouragement and maybe that's for you. That regardless of where you were last year, last month, last week, an hour before you logged on, that God wants to use you. That something that you have done, a flaw in you, does not discount you from God's plans and purposes and wishes for you. In fact, he might be reaching out to you today to lean in harder than ever before to pursue you more than ever before, to speak again to a dream that you've forgotten, that God does have a plan for you. He does have a purpose for you. And that can start this morning. And so Paul, he's writing one of these letters in Philippians to Christians. And as he's sitting in jail at the time of this letter, he's writing to Christians and think about it. He's in jail. He's now being persecuted because of his faith. And he's writing to other believers. And for him, this really could be the last letter. This could be the last thing he gets to say to his fellow Christ followers. And here's what he chooses to write about. He says, and this is my prayer. This is, it. if I can write something to you, Christ follower, this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He says, hey, I want you to discern. This word discern, it actually means to look at different options and examine them, evaluate them, and figure out which one is best. Not just which one is good or which one is an okay path, but to look at different options and examine the best one. And this is what we want, right? We wish we could look at every decision, every option in our life and examine them and go, this one is the best for me. This is what God would have. But notice what Paul says to get there. He doesn't say, if you want to discern, here's a seven step process on how to make every decision and everything will work out okay. He gives us something a little bit more simple, a little bit more difficult to apply but something that is so profound if we hope to build discernment into our lives. He says, I want you to grow in your love and in your knowledge of God. If you want to walk around with discernment, if you want to know the best path for your life, it starts with a deep-seated, growing love and knowledge of your heavenly Father. In other words, don't miss this. If you want to know God's will, focus on knowing God. 
If you want to know God's will, it starts with focusing, bringing all of your attention to who God is and to growing in your love with him. This is true in all of our relationships, isn't it? I can probably predict most things that my wife is going to do. I can go to a restaurant and look at a menu and pretty much I can guess what she's about to order. It's usually the spiciest thing on the menu. I can see something funny on social media and I know what things she'll laugh at and what things she won't. I'll be scrolling through Netflix and I know some shows that I'm like, I will love this show. She will not. And then there are others where I'm like, I got to wait and watch that with her because she will kill me if I don't, because she will obviously love that show, right? But it didn't start out this way. It wasn't, I couldn't have done that on our first couple of dates. But the more we grew in our relationship, the more we walked alongside of each other, the more we grew in our knowledge of one another and our love for one another, the more we can begin to know and discern what the other wants. Same is true for God. Too often, we just want to be in this place where we just know what he has for us and know the decision we should make and and know his will and his five-year plan. But too many of us aren't currently focusing on growing in our love and our knowledge of who he is. And Paul's saying, if we want to get to a spot to where we know his heart, it doesn't start in five years. It starts now. He continues to expand this idea in another letter that he wrote And again, I just love that Paul continued to write about this because he knew that it's one that all Christ followers and you and me would struggle with. And he says this in Romans 12. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Saying, hey, If you want to know God's will, his best, his good for you, if you want to figure that out, it starts with your current focus, your mind, where you are at right now. And here's why I think Paul was so passionate about this. It is your present focus that will determine your future direction. It is your present focus that will determine where you're going in the future. This is true for everything, right? Success doesn't happen overnight. Wealth doesn't happen overnight. If you look at the most successful people, pick a lane, whether it's athletics, whether it's music, the most successful people didn't make one big decision and end up there. That's often how we like to look at it. We think they just made one moment or won the lottery or whatever that is, and now they are here. But most successful people, it it actually started with small, continual steps over time a current focus that helped lead them into a future direction. It's the same for everything in life. If I want to run a marathon in three months, why are y'all laughing? Listen, that was just rude. If I want to run a marathon in three months, I got to start now. It's going to be the training, my focus, my diet, the things I'm doing right now that will get me to my future direction. If I want to be successful financially, it starts now. It starts in budgeting and saving and giving and doing the things now that will lead me to my future direction. Christ follower, the same is true in our relationship with God. Too often we want to just feel this closeness and just have everything sort of fit. And I just want to propose, what's your current focus? Are we starting on the here and now, growing in our love, growing in our knowledge of who God is that will help carry us to the place that he wants us to be? 
And so here's my challenge. What if this week we just picked one way to grow in our love and knowledge of God? Too often we try and make it too big. I know you're trying to, you're facing these big decisions and this big road path, but just start small. Maybe this week you need to make that step and join a group. And you need to get involved with some other people who are walking this life together. And for you, that is God's will. That is his next step. For some of you, you just need to take maybe five minutes of your day before you get up and start get going that you just spend with God. Maybe you start opening up a reading plan and spend some time in his word and getting to know who he is. Maybe on your drive to work, instead of listening to music, you would pause the radio and use that time to pray and just make a decision this week. I'm going to grow in my love and in my knowledge of who God is because it's our present focus that determines our future direction. And then here's the last thing I want to close with. As you're facing decisions this week, high school graduate, person that's trying to figure out their career, anyone who's trying to look at a family situation, whatever your decision is, this week, I just want to challenge you. What if you ran it through our new question? And what if you simply asked this over your decisions? Who does God wish me to become? As you're looking at friends in your circle and you're trying to figure out who should I surround myself with? Who should maybe I not surround myself with? Look at what are they doing to you? Who are you becoming because of these people? Who are you becoming because of the ones you're surrounding yourself with? And run those decisions through this new question. Some of you right now, you're trying to make a big financial decision. Who will this decision cause you to become? Will this free you up to give more? Will this make you less stressed? Will this decision make you more stressed and less financially stable down the road? Again, not just what would God have me do, but who would God have me become? Singles out there. And I feel like I can say this because I used to be the worst at this. Too often we look around in the world and we're just praying, God, send me the one. Send me the, per- who should I date? I want to make sure I'm dating this person right. And they were always praying that direction and looking for who to date. And sometimes here's what I had to get at least. Instead of praying for me to find the one, I need to step back and focus on who I was becoming so that when I found the one, they would want to date me so that I was the right one for them. And so singles, maybe instead of just asking God, who should I date? Who should I date? Who should I date? Maybe you should make your dating decisions based off who am I becoming? Is this the right time for my heart? Is this the right step? Are they the right influence? Because God is so much more concerned with who you are becoming. And as your current focus is on God and growing in your love and your knowledge of him, your future direction will lead you right to where God wants you to be. I just want to close with this because I know there are people watching. And if you were to be honest, you don't feel like God has a plan for you. You don't feel like God can use you. You don't feel like he wishes good things for you because you still feel like you are too messed up or you have done too much or you have gone too far. And can I just tell you, the God that we're talking about, when he sees you, he sees his workmanship his masterpiece. He is looking at you and he is overjoyed with the creation that he made. And he is a good, good father, like we sang about just a moment ago, who who is so excited about who you are, who has plans and purposes for you. And I want you to know that maybe you're you're listening tonight 
And, and God's will isn't something, but it's a someone. And that you haven't began a relationship with Jesus. And it's not coincidence that you're watching, that you're tuning in in your living room, in your bedroom, on your porch. But this is actually a moment that God's reaching out to you to say, hey, I love you. And I'm for you. And my son died so that you didn't have to carry around what you're carrying. You don't have to carry around the weight of shame and the weight of guilt. That Jesus wants to take all of that off of you and he wants to give you everything that he's entitled to. Perfection. Countless second chances. A new start. A new beginning. That's what God has for you. And so right now in this moment, you can start a relationship with Jesus. You can step into a relationship with him where you begin to grow in your love and your knowledge of him and he will continue to walk alongside of you. And if that's you, we just want you to know that you are not alone in this journey. In fact, we wanna make it very simple to connect with you and to give you more resources and to walk alongside of you in that. If you decide to follow Jesus, you can simply text CC Decide to 94,000 right now. And we have people who want to follow up with you, who want to connect with you because you are not in this alone. And I just want to close in prayer over you and over all those watching who are trying to make a decision right now. Let me pray. God, I just thank you right now for those who have decided to follow after you. For those who have made that step to give Jesus their life and begin this relationship that this was your will today, this morning, as they logged on, they have stepped into your will for them. And God, we are just so excited as a church to come alongside of them. God, I pray for the many right now who are facing decisions. And some seem so paralyzing. Some, we just don't know where to go or what to do. And, And God, I just pray right now, you would begin to speak to us clearly, that you would speak to us powerfully, that you would use this series over the next five weeks to begin to reveal what it is you would have for us. And God, this week, I just pray that it would start with who we're becoming. That you would help us continue to grow in our love and our knowledge of you. I thank you for all the fathers who are watching, who are giving up of their Sunday morning to engage with the church, to learn more about you, to grow in their love and knowledge and how they are using that to impact the next generation. Thank you for that generation of fathers, God. And as we sing this next song together as a church, I pray you would just move powerfully. We thank you so much for this morning, for all that you're doing in our lives. That's your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.